This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. See the side art, feel the controls, and hear the sticks on the stereo. So next time you're in the Chicago area and you've got too much time on your hands, head over to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is yet another episode of the No Quarter Podcast, where we get together every week and talk about a classic video arcade game. We just keep doing it. Yep, can't stay away. (laughs) They can't stop us. They're trying to keep (laughs) us down, man. But we got games to talk about. I don't think anyone cares enough to try and keep us down. Oh, they're trying, man. They're trying. The man is trying to keep us down. All right. <laughs> I'll make a note of that in case I see him and I'll ask him about it. Are you trying to keep us down, sir? <laughs> sir. If so, why? Mr. Man. So, Mike, is there any news in the uh, world of classic arcade gaming? Because I got nothing. That's been pretty quiet. Or, Well, that's not true. It's, there's probably been plenty going on. I just haven't been looking. Mm, probably a bunch of events happening that we're not going to tell our listeners about. Well, I, I should probably <laughs> mention this one. The Kong Off 3 is coming up quickly. It'll be here in Denver in a couple of weeks. And I am looking forward to going and hanging out and shaking hands and meeting people who are better at these games than I am. No, I look forward to seeing you as the new world record holder. Mm, Not going to happen. Are you going to perform the McGinnis maneuver on anybody? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I might. I just might. That would be awesome. I think that's why they they put the ropes between like the the observers and the the players. I think it's just a rope around you. It's just there you are with ropes all around you. Everyone's like, dangerous, caution, don't feed the mic. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, Carrington. That was a weird fluke kill screen that you ran into. <laughs> totally weird and totally fluky. <laughs> what a coincidence. Oh, you know what? There was a little bit of news that we forgot to mention uh, last week about our, our favorite little sponsor, Underground Retrocade. Oh, they, have, they have a no-quarter machine. And I don't mean that they have a machine that takes no quarters, because technically all their machines are set to take no quarters. But they've, in the same way that they have a uh, Fix-It Felix Jr. cab set up that you can play that game, and it's a, a main thing, so they can fire other things on it. They have set up a dedicated machine that will play each week whatever game we have selected to t- try our hand at. So everybody can gather around and be better than us at it. Oh, okay. I, I thought for a second there that you, uh, when you said a no quarter machine, that they would have the chance to... To, to play a digital 8-bit you and me sitting Absolutely. and talking to each other and doing a podcast? Well, with my shaved head, I'm kind of easy to do an 8-bit. I'm just sort of like a little ball, so it's kind of, kind of easy. I got that Pac-Man thing going on. It would on. be a very, very boring game, but you never know. It would be awesome, and I would win. See? Woohoo! <laughs> I don't think you'd win, though. <laughs> anyway, I think that's totally sweet. I think that's very cool. Thank you, Scott, for uh, putting that together. Mm. Not sure what motivated that, but... Uh, because we, we're awesome. That's what motivated it. They're motivated by the awesome. 
the the sweet sweet no quarter action that we're throwing down. All right, let's move along from the the, the patting each other on the back. You here. just want to get the feedback because our first feedback is somebody who begins with saying how you're right and I'm wrong. Oh, we got a bunch of those actually. But why don't you <laughs> just pick one and go right ahead? Okay? Well, then I pick Victor's because <laughs> he wrote, "Hi guys, Mike is right to this Woo! time." Oh, it hurts me even to read. I love you, email. Victor. Uh, Congo Bongo sucks hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the only games on the sixty and one multi board I turn off. From oh, wow. the menu. He doesn't like it at all. Uh, the ISO bits just don't work. One of Sega's failures. And to stop here for a second, embarrassingly, it took me a while to figure out what he means by the ISO bits because I'm thinking ISO like discs and stuff, isometric. Anyway, it t- took me a while. I- I'm a little slow today. So he says, next week's game sound- sounds really bugged me for a few minutes until I realized that I actually have the game board to go on in my Donkey Kong machine. I can rotate the monitor on it. And I was actually playing the game, which I name I won't mention yet, on my main cab the other day, too. Oh, I'll be playing along with you this week, but I haven't found any patterns on game that we're not mentioning yet, uh, unlike my reasonable score on the Donkey Kong games. Keep up the good work. And then he says, P.S., any hints about how to do podcasts? This was a really good question. So he asked a few things about um, getting into podcasting, and I thought I'm, I'm going to send back an email to him. And I like that he asked when I got into podcasting, which seems like like forever ago. I guess uh, one megahertz was the first one I did, just so many years ago. It was it was kind of hard to find info. It's a little easier now, but I had reached out to a bunch of people that were podcasting at the time. It was a little harder to even find people really doing it. And I don't think a single person wrote back. <laughs> I asked a bunch of people, not one responded to me. And I'm terrible for never responding to um, listener feedback, though I really like it. I'm just really lazy. But anybody who ever writes me about how to get into podcasting, I feel guilty. I have to write back because I was always upset <laughs> that no one wrote me back. So uh, Victor can expect to get a long and lengthy email from me and whatever else he needs. So Oh, and last week, we and anyway, we also got a whole bunch of other letters of and feedback also and Twitter about me. People saying, saying you're right. right. Yeah. So I think reading the one is really enough. No. I think that covers that topic. No, I think we need to read every single one of them <laughs> and then read them again. No, I want to talk about games that have no buttons. Buttonless okay. ga- games with zippers. We were asked by a listener to suggest some games that didn't require buttons. Or really, the point was to think of games that could be played one-handed. Uh, right. He'd already thought of some of the, the go-to games like uh, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, you know, the various Pac's men and Qbert. And we suggested Zaxxon. Or I think I suggested Zaxxon because if I remember correctly, I hope I am, the button's on the flight stick. So technically, you're playing it one-handed, even though that's not how I played it in MAME. We got some good listener feedback with some more ideas. Cinecaster, uh, who has quite the depth of knowledge of games, so I wasn't surprised to hear it from him. He says, for games playable with one hand, here are some that came to mind. Most of them are lesser known or not at all known <laughs> maze-type games. So he suggests the following. Get a pen. Nibbler. Make Tracks, that's what the next, Mr. TNT, Junior Pac-Man, The Electric Yo-Yo, never heard of that one, Pepper 2, Frisky Tom, Jolly Jogger, and he also says, from this list, I find Pepper 2 and Nibbler particularly awesome. Junior Pac-Man is a great addition to the Pac series, but I find the difficulty discouraging. And let's not forget some of the games already reviewed on No Quarter, such as Bubbles and Ladybug. The latter is the greatest Pac clone ever, in his opinion. Oh, and he also made a suggestion for Neo Geo, because we talked about that last week, too. He says, as for Neo Geo, if you have a trackball and want to try a very different type of Neo Geo game, give the aptly named The Irritating Maze a whirl. <laughs> so I thought that was very good feedback. We had a couple other people writing, too. Let me try to find one. Oh, Dan. Dan wrote on Facebook. He says, great podcast as usual, although I never really liked Congo Bongo. Nobody likes Congo Bongo, for man. you, Dan. 
I, I always found it to be far too difficult. As for games that can be played one-handed, there is Marble Madness and maybe some other trackball-only games. Gun games like Crossbow might be possible, although aiming would be a little tricky. And there's also games with a control yoke like Star Wars that are best with both hands but could probably play, be played with one hand. So those are all really good ideas as well. I, I, I can't believe it didn't occur to me to go to trackball games. Oh, and one more that chastises us. I think we should do this one. Jason. Jason writes a really nice email. So he says, I've been listening since episode 23, and I just love the show. I wrote in last week for the first time just to enter the contest, and I feel like a runner-up since Mike randomly chose Jason as a name before being forced right. to change it to a number <laughs> by that mean Carrington guy. Well, Carrington asked for a name. <laughs> well, but Carrington says a lot of nonsense. It's One true. shouldn't listen to what Carrington says, <laughs> um, says Carrington. Don't listen to what I just said about don't listening to me. Don't listening to me? Hmm. So I thought I'd email again and at least thank Mike for choosing well the first time. Anyway, well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, back then, I downloaded the previous 22 episodes and started listening from the start. Count me among those who enjoyed the 2600 Pac-Man when I was 10 and now. I found it quite easy to guess the name of the game for a chunk of those first 20-ish games. I swear I wasn't cheating by looking ahead at the episode titles. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> but I, after I caught up, I couldn't guess a game for the life of me. Galaga excluded, of course. Everybody seemed to guess Galaga. And this week's game. Everybody seemed to guess this week's game. Anyway, he says, now that I finally have gotten one, because he guessed that this week's game, although it did vex me for a few minutes, after, and then he goes on to talk about um, this week's game. So we're going to reveal that this week's game, of course, is Popeye. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, after 1982, I had an Atari 400 computer and then an 800XL. He didn't have the one Atari one that I liked the best, which is the, just the regular 800. I think that's the best of looking of the Ataris. So I played games like Popeye and Congo Bongo on my Atari. I agree with Mike. What's with the feedback this week? Everyone's <laughs> agreeing with Mike. Ah, oh, this feedback sucks. I agreed with Mike on Congo Bongo. <laughs> I've never liked it. And I played it maybe twice on my Atari before giving it up and going back to playing Mule. Hope that puts me a smidge ahead of the 64 crowd, if just behind you Apple II folk. Yeah, I think that's pretty much right. <laughs> Papa, I remember quite uh, enjoying on my Atari, but I don't think I've ever really fired it up on main. Can't wait to hear about it. It was on the Atari... Uh, 800XL that I also played Junior Pac-Man, another game that you can play one-handed. Uh, I think maybe Glenn the 5200 Man released it or something. It was amazing. And I like this last bit. It says, by the way, much like you guys, you guys, I don't consider myself very good at games, perhaps in part because I rarely play one long enough to get really, really good at it, which is why I enjoy telling you that once again, my crazy balloon high score is even higher than last week at 32,210. Oh, man, he's destroying us. Uh, having been able to reach level eight, I think a couple of times. Not that I consider you guys crazy balloon fans anymore. It took you all of a week to forget that it can be played with one hand. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for great show. I can't believe like oh last goodness. week we're struggling. What's a game you can play? What we had just uh. talked about one in depth. So uh, nicely spotted there, Jason. Well, well played. I think this process is taking its toll on us. It is. I can't. I, and it's funny because I, I, I think last week as well, I said, oh, we should, we should record or we should do a show on some game that we had already done. Like I'm, I'm starting to forget the games that we've covered. And the only other one I want to mention, I like when sometimes people guess the game in a creative way. And Randall on Facebook, he wrote, next week's game clue is so easy. I'll just hand a, have a can of pop. I love it. Oh, <laughs> way to sneak it in there. Nicely done, Randall. Nicely done. We had a, we had a couple of clever ones like that. Yeah. So this week's game is Popeye, or Donkey Kong, as I like to think of it. Before we get to that one, Rob O'Hara did write a few things. Never heard of him. <laughs> Flack wrote a few things. Still never heard of him. Oh, okay. Certainly never listened to his every single episode of his podcast, and now watches videos online. 
Last week I was complaining about the 45 degree angle games like Congo Bongo and Cubert. Isometric. He wrote in and said, Congo Bongo and Cubert used four-way joysticks that were mounted at a 45 degree angle. That's why they felt more intuitive to control in the arcade. No, Rob, wrong. They just suck. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, I play them with taking my own whatever controller I'm using and tilting it at 45 degrees or so. Uh, I do find it much easier to play that way. So I, I do that myself when I'm playing isometric games. Speaking of old games, but really more console things, I've been really enjoying Rob's new video series he's been doing of these playthroughs. Well done, Rob. Keep it up. So, Popeye, tell me all about it. Well, blow me down, mate. It's me, Popeye, catching hearts, musical notes, and words of love taught to me by my sweet olive oil, performing me duty by punching out a few obstacles thrown in me way and giving Bluto a licking after I've had me spinach. Like not the sea hag with me friends Sweepy and Wimpy putting in an appearance. What a way to spend me day, because I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> Love it when you do that. Okay, Popeye the game is... There's a really good article on uh, reading about sort of the history of Popeye. Mostly what people talk about is Donkey Kong. <laughs> when you try to research Popeye, more you get Donkey Kong things. So I was reading about the, the Donkey Kong background and, and that kind of stuff and how there's a Popeye short uh, animated cartoon called A Dream Walking, which yep. uh, I'll, I found on YouTube so we can put a link for that. And that was the inspiration for what was going to be the Popeye game set in a construction site which then, of course, when it stopped being Popeye and they came up with new new sprites, became Donkey Kong. But that's essentially why Donkey Kong is in a in a construction yard because of the Popeye, a dream walking cartoon. And so it was neat to to look at that. And then there's a great article on MagWeasel.com. <laughs> I was unaware of MagWeasel as a site, but so really, so it's a article slash blog post all about popeye's contribution to video game history but it's really just all about donkey kong but in it he quotes the biography of the other guy along with miyamoto uh takita i think was his name genyo takita i'm butchering that name but he was the the other guy helped out and he he wrote a, a an autobiography called it's called game no chichi so Game No Chi Chi, and, and this article on Magweasel translates it over to English, and it's really worth the read. So I'll make sure we have a link to it in the show notes. But it talks about the cartoon with olive oil sleepwalking and stuff, and then it talks about this great thing that we've touched on in earlier episodes, but it's so easy to forget about. So he says that people would be playing the game and the barrels would be coming down and they'd have to jump them. He says, you had uh, Popeye in the bottom left and Bluto on and Olive up top. The question was how to get players to realize that they were supposed to get Popeye climbing upward. And he talks all about how that's essentially why they introduced those flaming things to basically chase the character and force them to start climbing. And I found that interesting because, and we talked about that Gal, I think she was the one who went on to design um, Centipede for Atari, how she had gone over to an arcade and encountered right. Pac-Man and then didn't even know what to do. Like, it just looked at it. So how interesting. And then we got a friend of hers and they came in and he showed her. And I think that that's the way I'm remembering the story. anyway. <laughs> and <laughs> it's so funny how we're in such a different world now. Like my nephew, who's now 16, if. I planted him in front of a Donkey Kong machine and gave him like no, he'd never heard of it. We, we do the eternal sunshine of the spotless Donkey Kong on him and he's completely removed all knowledge of everything to do with the game. 
he would still get it immediately. There wouldn't even be a hesitation. Just grab the joystick. Oh, I get I should move. And right, okay, there's an obvious bad guy at the top. I'll just make my way up there. Like, there would be no thinking anymore that people would be confused by that. Like, we now share sort of culturally a language of video game in the way that we share a language of film and a language of literature. Like, nobody's confused by what a novel is. And, and it's interesting how it's in our lifetime that that language has been developed and that there was a time in 1981 where game designers were concerned that somebody would walk up and it's not like it's a complicated you'd have one button and one four-way controller and people wouldn't know what to do i'm like you 50 chance they're banging on things so <laughs> but it's funny how that was a real issue and i think that what we're seeing with popeye versus donkey kong is it's sort of bridging the gap where it's a little bit more complicated in a sense in the gameplay, not dramatically so, but there's a little bit sort of more going on, but it still felt limited. Like right away, immediately, I kept wondering if I'm supposed to have a jump button. I, I hadn't played Popeye in ages, so I forgot that you don't jump, but I kept smacking away at my keyboard because I was playing this one on keyboard for a while, thinking there must be a key that lets me jump over these beer bottles because it just seemed like that should be a thing, but it's not. So I was bringing sort of a, an additional amount of, of the language of video games to it uh, that they really didn't have at, at this point in, I guess, in 82 or 83. Because to me, it seemed obvious there should be a jump button. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because on the third screen, when Popeye is on that, that ship and olive oil is up in the, the, the crow's nest or up at the very top, it took me a long time to realize what I was doing. I kept grabbing the letters and going, okay, nothing is happening. Because on the other screens, it shows you, okay, you you like you collected the hearts and there's a little chart up in the corner to show how many you've got. And as you get the notes on the second screen, it kind of fills in the, the music notes across the top there. But on the third screen, it doesn't show you anything. And what you know, it took me a while to realize that it was building a ladder, but it, it did it so slowly. And there are no instructions on the screen that I didn't know. Is, is there something wrong with the ROM? Am I missing something else? It took me a while to, to figure it out. It took me more than a while, <laughs> to be honest. Because first of all, <laughs> it took me a while to get to the third screen. I am well, pretty bad at Popeye. Me too. This is a difficult game. So, I, And I wouldn't spend a lot of time there because I'm very bad at Popeye. So I would <laughs> rarely get there. And when I got there, I would mostly just die. That's what I did on the third screen is, oh, look, I will die. So once I spent finally in aggregate some time on that third screen catching those letters, yes. I also spent ages of time being confused by that it didn't seem like I was making any progress because exactly like you the the first two screens made it obvious that when I grab these things well and the third screen as well it's obvious that you're supposed to grab it she's shouting the word help and the letters h-e-l-p are coming down at you right. so it's obvious what you should do but they were different colors and I kept thinking because it would show the word help mm -hmm. as you grab them and the, the letters would change the colors you grab so I kept thinking oh I've got to try to grab only yellow ones and like spell out the yeah. word in a certain color I spent a lot of time dying trying to do that I tried that I tried spelling it out while well, you have to get it in order h-e-l-p that didn't mm -hmm. work yeah it drove me crazy yeah and i died a ton like if i was playing this in an actual arcade i would have spent serious money being confused by how to play this game <laughs> until finally you're right it was about when the this ladder every time you grab a letter an, another layer of this ladder builds up and it's the same color scheme like the stuff that you're grabbing the hearts like on the first screen, you're running around in a bit of a multi-platform maze and you're grabbing these hearts. And the second screen, same sort of idea. It's platform maze with ladders. And this time you're grabbing notes to spell out a bit of a musical thing, which is tuneless bit of music, frankly. Um, and the third <laughs> one, you're on it like a pirate ship. The problem is the, the first one, you're grabbing these 
bright, vibrant red hearts. And in the top left corner, there's this building sort of that fills up with hearts. And they're, again, bright, vibrant red. Like, it really draws your eye. The second it, one is yeah. these bright musical things, also vibrant red. And the last one, the, the, the help letters are all different colors. So it made me think there must be a different mechanic. And the ladder that's being built is a muted maroon kind of color. So it doesn't just... I didn't even see that it was being built until it was like halfway built. It also blends in with some of the other confusing visuals that that I ran into on that third screen where the levels that you run across aren't necessarily part of the ship. You know, you run off a platform and I expected to land on the deck of the ship and nope, the platform is a little bit further down. I, I found there was a lot of confusion for me there. I mean, once I figured it out, it was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. But mm. for, for a while there, it was, it was very frustrating. Totally with you on that. I found the th- the third screen to be the least polished of these screens and really felt still like a, a what's that there was clipping problems or or um sprite interaction problems it was more that it just general gameplay seemed a little unpolished and a little bit like like a beta version of the game so let's get to the game you play popeye and the plot of the game is basically the plot of every one of the cartoons and comic strips where popeye and olive oil are boyfriend girlfriend i think and then you had this other large brute, brutish character named Bluto. Later it was changed to Brutus. And he was always interfering and getting in, in the way. And it's pretty much the same thing in this game. Uh, you start on a platform structure and olive oil's at the top and she throws her little hearts and you have to run and catch them. And meanwhile, Bluto chases not her, but you around the screen. And when he catches you, he knocks you into the water and you lose a life. Yeah, you got this punch button so you can punch things but you can't punch him like he's untouchable as i was playing it seemed to me that brutus was extremely overpowered um, and if there had been more than one of him it would have been a real problem because Mm -hmm. you can't jump you can't hop over anything he can Uh, his only weakness really is that he moves a little bit slower than you do he throws these jars at you four at a time and you can't jump over those you have to punch them to to break them if you're on a different level than him he can jump up and knock you down and that loses a life. Or if you're above you, he can either reach down and grab you, or he can just jump down on you. In the middle of this, you have the, the sea hag, another character from the comic and the cartoon. Was oh, that who it was? I kept thinking it was some weird lady, but I don't know the characters very well. Yeah, she's she's the sea hag, and she she was featured in a few of the cartoons. Uh, she shows up at the side and also throws uh, bottles at you. And in the first screen, you have to collect, I think it's 24 hearts. Oh, something like that. It's, it seems like a large number because frequently I'm like, have I not got them all yet? I found the the scoring in this game varied varied wildly. If you grab the hearts up at the top, you're going to get a lot more points for them. If you grab them mid jump or mid fall between levels, you get more points for that. You get bonus points if you. Oh, the other defense that you have is the spinach. There's a can of spinach. Oh, of course, right. Obviously, Popeye. that you know from you know the cartoon where he would pop the spinach and eat it and get strong for a little while. You have one of those per level, not per life, which which disappoints me. Right per level, <laughs> you get one per level. It doesn't come back, and that gives you superpower for ten seconds. Now, Bluto Brutus is, is smart enough to recognize when you are in that state because you turn bright red and you can move even faster and runs away from you. And that can be a challenge trying to track him down. But if you do, you get a 3000 point bonus, I think for knocking him into the water and it frees you up for a little while to go collect more uh, hearts or notes or the letters, depending on what level you're on. Mm -hmm. And the hearts are worth more where you're in 
in superpower mode too. So it's yes. worth grabbing them. And and also since you get one per level, I would found when I, I tried to make it so if I hadn't used the spinach yet and I was getting near the end of the level, always grab the spinach. Like otherwise it just goes wasted. So you might as well grab it even if it just gives you more points of the hearts. One thing I didn't like about the spinach, normally it'd be like a power pill in Pac-Man where you want to wait, you're hovering by it and you wait for the ghost to get near you, grab it, then you can grab the ghost right away. Here when you grab your spinach, there's this moment where you freeze and it plays your, hey, I'm super Popeye sound. But during that time, Bluto moves away from you. Yes. <laughs> Why can't I get him? It's just like, so he just immediately starts running while you're waiting and doing your super poses. So that was very frustrating. Yeah, that's, that's part of the challenge is tracking him down to get, to get the bonus points. Cause he's, mm. like I said, he's smart enough to know that you've hooked up like that and, uh, <laughs> and runs away from you. And, and because he can hop over gaps in the floors and things like that, it can be difficult to, to catch him. So once you grab all 24 hearts, you move on to level two, which is where Olive Oil, for some reason, is throwing musical notes at you. And it's the same sort of mechanic where you avoid Bluto and the, the Sea Hag, and you, you collect enough notes to move on to the next level. This one's more difficult, uh, again, because of the, the gaps that he can jump over that you can't. And there is a little teeter-totter down in the lower left corner that you can use to jump up a couple of levels if, if you find yourself in a bind. But Brutus can, too. And what I would get confused by that is when you wouldn't necessarily know how far up you're going to go if you're not really paying attention. Because there's the, this, like, baby Popeye, whoever that character is supposed to be, Sweepy. floating. Sweepy. Okay. Floating on, like, a platform with a balloon, and he kind of moving up and down. So if he's low enough, when you use the wimpy totter, it'll fire you up and you grab the Sweepy thing, and then you're at the top level. If Sweepy's higher, then you won't go as far up. So sometimes I would use that thinking I would get away, and I would just land one level above where I was, and Brutus gets me. So Or Bluto. Ah, I want to say, keep saying Same Brutus thing. for some reason. Yeah. Well, he was later. his name was later changed to Brutus. How about just calling him Donkey Kong? All right. Can do <laughs> that's, that too. that's who he really is. <laughs> <laughs> For me, anyway. <laughs> and also, there's this thing where if the hearts or the musical notes, they're they're wafting sort of weirdly downward. And if they get to the very bottom, it sets off like an emergency tone, like, hey, this thing is sinking. And if you let one go too long down there, then you also lose a life because of that. And olive oil comes down and chastises you <laughs> and points at animation. it and points at you and sort of, and it's funny because you can sort of see how they're trying to make it clear. Here's why you died. It's a way to tell the, the player because the player might otherwise know like, well, what's going on? And so you have an actual character point at it and say, Hey, don't let this happen. So that, that was funny. And then the third screen, like we talked about is the pirate ship, which was not obvious to either one of us and was very difficult because in addition to, Bluto chasing you around, you have this this hawk that keeps flying in. Mm -hmm. The hawk's not too hard, though. Like, you can just punch the hawk. It seems to always come kind of right at you. So I found the hawk not too bad. It's sort of like three points. Yep. But there's this weird platform, too, that oh, is the only level that has a platform that moves back and forth between two of the other platforms. And it's the only screen in the whole game that has that one mechanic. It's kind of strange. Yeah, and it kind of throws you a little bit further than you would expect. So if Bluto is running at you, that's a good way to die. I never got past that third screen in the first round, but assuming that you do, then it starts over again and it gets more difficult. For me, the, the first level, like I said, there was a huge points variation there because of all the different bonuses and, and where you grab the heart, determine how many points you got. I would get anywhere from like 5,000 all the way up to 20,000. Yep. I was the same way, the all level. over the place score-wise. So very strange and difficult game, but I liked it a lot. 
I like it a lot too. And I'm not a massive fan of platformers, to be honest, but I, I really enjoy, and I'm not a fan of Popeye. I don't even know who the characters are. And Popeye is one of those cartoons that even as a kid, I was always really aware of, and I know the whole spinach thing, but I never really liked it. I never really watched Popeye. So I kind of know the characters, but I don't have a real nostalgia connection to them. But I like this game. It's def- definitely it's definitely a hard game. Even the first level, it's hard right from the beginning. Uh, but I like it. I like it a lot. But the third level still bugs me. It still seems seems unpolished. It seems like it was done by a different person. So, like even look, I'm looking at screenshots that I took now. And on the first two levels, up on the top right, there's like in a building there'll be like a little window and it's got Popeye head and then an equal sign and say one so it'll tell you that you've got one Popeye left or two Popeyes whatever and then below that it's got R equals and basically telling what what round you're in so round one round two etc because after the third one you just go back to the first level but you're in round four on the third level it's got the same thing the Popeye head and the R but they're in the top left corner there's nothing in the top right corner so they could have been there but it's like the person doing the third level which has a blue background whereas the other two have a black background like there's so many things that make the third level different in these subtle ways it's still using the same character sprites but it just it feels like the graphic people weren't talking to each other about this third level for some reason that's very strange yeah i will say that this is the this is my favorite arcade game from my youth that i forgot about Oh, really? Interesting. I don't think I forgot about it. I just don't think I ever really played it. The story about that is it's not a big deal or anything, but... I like it when you tell me stories. <sighs> I'm so good at it too, right? <laughs> <laughs> tell, me, tell me a story. I, I'm a huge Popeye fan. I, I, as a kid, that was I preferred that to Bugs Bunny and, and what? any other cartoon. Yes, You're a it. crazy man who should be looked at. You shut your mouth, you <laughs> crazy at. <laughs> I'll have you deported back to We spell Popeye differently. We spell Popeye with a U in Canada. <laughs> Right. <laughs> when I first encountered this video game, it wasn't in the arcade that I w- normally went to. It was in a bowling alley where there was a few other games. And I would play arcade games while my family bowled. And I had a great time. And I was imp- really impressed by the character animations. They looked just like the characters in the cartoons. And they had worked the, the Popeye theme into the music at, at certain times. And I was really blown away and having a great time. And then a week later, they took that machine out and put a gauntlet cab in. Because I hadn't played it that much, I Kind of completely forgot about it until just recently when we were, when um, somebody else suggested this game. I, I mean, I knew I was aware that the, of the Popeye game and this and that, but I'd forgotten one that I played it and two that I liked it as much as I did. A lot of games that I really liked back in the day were ones that I did play when it was just a one or two game in a strange sort of location. Like I, I remember spending a, a half of a summer up at a cottage and there was a Space Invaders game there. It was the first time I ever played Space Invaders, I think, where I got to actually spend a lot of time on it. I had played Space Invaders before because this was a few years later, but I didn't spend a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. And there was up at this cottage and in the public rec room area that was the only video game <laughs> so so that summer i spent a lot of time playing space invaders <laughs> and so when i think of space invaders i think of that game so a lot of times it's those ones where it's like like in your case it's the popeye in the bowling alley it's where you can remember that game associated with a place it'll become a much stronger memory though i still don't like uh, the popeye cartoons that much it's kind of weird that you like them Shut your mouth. <laughs> the graphics though I'll, I'll give you this though you're totally right it's remarkable how good the character sprites in this game look. I don't yeah. know what the resolution this game is, but it seems like a heck of a lot higher than a lot of other games of this period. It's crazy how good they look. The backgrounds are kind of bland and not all and that blocky. interesting. 
the backgrounds seem to be at a much lower resolution than the characters' brights. <laughs> but the action, the stuff that your eyes are drawn to, were really, really good. I was, I was very impressed. Now, Nintendo became aware that this game was difficult because they released another ver- uh, another revision of the ROM later on. Uh, that was easier. It had oh, a lower. Oh god, that was probably the one I was using too. It had the lower default height. Well, you can tell because the background in the easier game is purple instead of black on the first level. Oh no, my mine was black. The default high score on that one is twenty five thousand six hundred. Oh, I would have beat it. <laughs> it has a different default high score initials. It's K A C instead of G E T. Uh, you do get another spinach if you lose a life on that one. You can climb back down ladders and uh, you get an extra life at uh, twenty thousand points instead of forty. Nice. It bothered me that if I died, I didn't get access to a new spinach. That seemed like a, it should be. That was, that was bugging me because I would just sort of counter that. I'm like, oh, there's no more spinach, but, that, but I died. Where's my spinach? The whole thing for me feels like, like you said, it was maybe like 80, 85% finished game. It's kind of disappointing because I, I imagine that it would have been even better had they completed the thing. But that said, it really is good, though. As much yeah. as I'm sort of focusing on these little negative things, I think I'm only focusing on them because it, there's such a good game here. And the, that's why the little things that seem a little weird really stand out. Because good gameplay, great sprites, really catchy music. I know it's the Popeye music, but still, I dig it. And lots of character to the characters. The, the way Bluto will lean over and not just reach down, but reach down and then wave his arm really yeah. fast and try to grab you. Like little things like that, I think are awesome. And the way that olive oil will come down and tisk tisk scold you and point at the heart in the <laughs> go back and forth. If you lose the heart in the lower part, like those little things, I love that kind of detail. Like that kind of stuff is great. Very advanced for 1982, but get this. It featured a single Z80 chip at four megahertz for the CPU, a single AY8910 at 2 megahertz for the sound. And the display was 512 by 448 raster oriented horizontally with 288 colors. Okay, but 512, that makes sense then because I kept thinking of it as a, like the two, you know, the 244s by 244s, that kind of stuff. So the, because the background looks like it could be one of those. Not quite that small. Yeah, they're making the most of that. And that's not a lot of horsepower for a game like this because it's not just like there's the two main sprites there's all these hearts or musical notes or letters floating around the screen that has to clip separately you've got the bird coming you've got the the that sea hag will show up and throw beer bottles at the same time that bluto might be throwing four beer bottles like at any given time there could be 20 things moving on the screen that's some pretty darn good coding i think given the horsepower they have tell me about the cabinet carrington well it's a nintendo cabinet and it looks like a Nintendo cabinet, and uh, you could spot it from a mile away. <laughs> All the Nintendo cabinets have that. Like, if you think about the shape of a Donkey Kong cabinet, I always think of them as the Donkey Kong shape, but that's really the Nintendo cabinet shape. It's got that. So it looks just like a blue Donkey Kong cabinet. But as far as I can tell, I looked at a lot of photos, and the problem is the, the internet just doesn't want to give you accurate colors. But it seems to be a lighter blue than the blue of a Donkey Kong cabinet, which has that more vibrant blue, I think. Write in if I'm wrong. So you kind of could take one of these and turn it into a fixed Felix Jr. cab as well, for that matter. So, but really vibrant side art and, and marquee graphics and, and really uh, vibrant bezel art, which makes sense given that it's uh, from a cartoon background. You've got your standard hardware, eight-way joystick, the one button, but it's a nice looking cabinet, but it really just looks like every other Nintendo cabinet. So it's got that shape. But crazy, super cheap. It's bonkers how many of these have sold the last 
four years or so online for well under $500, wow. like in good shape. You can barely buy a cabinet for that nowadays anymore. It's, it's, I don't understand. So it can be in amazing shape, completely redone, sometimes with new side art or something, but really like a, a, a machine that looks great, plays perfectly, clean monitor, all totally restored and clean and beautiful, and you can get it for you know $350. That seems bonkers because you you can't buy an empty cabinet for that so i'm surprised people aren't buying them to junk them but this the xe price guide says something like collectors show this game no respect and i think i know <laughs> what he means because it's it's i don't understand why it's so cheap but if you like this game you can pick it up way cheaper than you can pick up comparable nintendo cabinets from the era and i don't know why this one's always so cheap well i might have might have to look into that yep go pick yourself up uh and then you could set up your own bowling alley and it would be just like your youth I was also reading about the first Popeye video game, which wasn't this cabinet. It was a Game & Watch. Do you remember the old Game & Watches? Yeah. It was a Game & Watch, and that was the very first Popeye video game was actually a Game & Watch. Yeah, that came out after Donkey Kong, but before Donkey Kong Jr., so right in that period. So it's like so it's before the Popeye arcade game, but it's actually after Donkey Kong, but it was still a Nintendo thing. So Nintendo was, they're going to do some Popeye, and nothing could hold them back. <laughs> he said, if we have to do this, then we will do this. So, And like most Game & Watches, it's a remarkably terrible gameplay. <laughs> I know I, I fondly think of them as well, but come on, those sure. things were all terrible. I don't remember playing or even seeing Popeye on anything else so i do think it was actually ported to lots of stuff i think there was a c64 port that kind of stuff but i don't think i ever actually ever once played popeye in anything but the arcade do you know what it was ported to i don't remember seeing it on any of my friends machines i know it wasn't on the apple II, but wikipedia no. says that it was on the trs 80 commodore 64 the ti 99 all the atari 8-bit computers uh, the Intellivision, the Atari 26 and 5200, ColecoVision, Odyssey, and there was one of those board games Parker Brothers made. Oh, those are cool. I want to get those. It was definitely uh, definitely out there. And in 2008, Namco Networks released an enhanced remake for mobile phones. Oh, neat. Did you, did you buy it? Did you play it? I did not. Do you play the sound of bowling when you play it on your phone? I go to sleep to that sound. Yes. <laughs> For some reason, Nintendo licensed licensed Popeye to Atari exclusively for release in the United Kingdom and Ireland. Don't oh. know why. That version of the game featured an Atari-designed and manufactured cabinet. Oh, so like a totally separate cabinet? Yep. Oh, I wonder what it looked like. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even come across that when I was researching about Popeye, so whoops. You know what? I don't think I actually read the Wikipedia article. <laughs> So many times, like, everything I read elsewhere will tell me all the stuff that's on Wikipedia, but it'll also not tell me the two or three things that are on Wikipedia that are false. Right. So Wikipedia gets a lot of info wrong when it comes to classic video games. And I know that that's always the joke. Oh, it's on Wikipedia. It's wrong. But it's crazy how nobody seems to be fact-checking Wikipedia. Uh, all the time I come across stuff where I'm like, that's not what everything else says, or that's not what this says. And I distrust Wikipedia for this, for this topic. All right. Fess up. My score is bad. In fact, I was playing on, I guess, the original ROM, the hard ROM, which is going to be my excuse now, obviously, <laughs> why I didn't do amazing at this game. But the game comes with a built-in default high score. In my case, it, a default high score of 32,600. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I did not beat that. <laughs> so that is still the high score on my main setup. I have no excuse. I actually played this a lot this week. I was, we, we postponed recording for a few days. We're recording a couple days later than normal. And I spent that time 
just playing the heck out of this game, yeah, and yet too. I still yep. never beat the high score. Yep. Yeah, I posted a screenshot on Twitter. I've done a little better than that since then, but not much better. So the best I've done so far is 31,550, uh, which, again, doesn't even get me the high score doesn't even beat the default high score. What about you, Mike? How'd you do? I hate you, Karen. Woohoo! Yeah. I like the sound of that. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's move on to next week's game. You got one thousand and five. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Like you, I, I spent a lot of time playing this game. I played the hard rom, enjoyed the heck out of it, and really sucked at getting the scores. And maybe I just wasn't good at collecting the bonuses. I ended up with uh, thirty-one thousand four hundred points. Ooh. To my 31,550. Very mm, close. And yep. yet, I win. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> That's what's going down in the record books. Yeah. The, and the thing is, though, my high score doesn't represent the furthest. I, I got that high score on level three on my first time to level three, but there was a couple of times where I did get past level three and went back to level one again. And where all these skulls start coming and I, and I died a number of times basically on level four, which is screen one, the second time through. But my high score is just from screen three and early on in screen three. So I was kind of surprised that that was my best score because my scores just like yours are all over the place in this. I suspect a really good player can get far more than our scores on the first screen. Like there's a lot of opportunity to get bonuses if you're kind of smart about how you play. Whereas I'm not really smart about how I play this game. I play this game frantically and with terror <laughs> for my little Popeye life. I'm running all over the place. So kind of calm down and get a pattern. Like you, I I got that I got my score and died almost immediately on the third level. But there mm. were times when I would get to the third level and play a whole lot and not get close to it. Yeah, yeah, it was all over the place score-wise. And I spent a lot of time dying on the third level, never knowing what I was supposed to do. I think, you know, so most of the week was spent dying on the third level, not realizing I was supposed to be building a ladder. But like you said, a better player could rack up a lot of points, and one did, in fact. The current high score is held by Ben Falls. He scored 3,023,060 points on December 20th, 2011, according to the Twin Galaxies International Scoreboard. So another another recent score, but... That's a lot higher than any score I will ever get. I I don't know. I'm gonna. I think this one's gonna stay in my favorites for a while. I don't know if it's permanently a top ten, one of the forty games in my top ten, but uh, <laughs> it's up there. I, I have a great time. Try to limit yourself to just the forty. And the weird thing is, Congo Bongo last week was hard, and I I hated it. And this game is equally hard, and I had a great time. I liked Congo Bongo more than Popeye. That's because you're a crazy Canadian. <laughs> I know it's kind of weird because I'm not normally a fan of the isometric games. And I actually do like Popeye. This gets a thumbs up from me as well. I think this is a really fun game. It's definitely a great example of early Nintendo fun gameplay. Good platformer. I just don't like the platform games, to be honest. I want to jump button. The bird kept killing me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being pouty because I want to do better at this game. <laughs> so I like it, but it wouldn't make my top 10. My The 40 in my top 10, I think. It would make my top 40, but it wouldn't make my top 10. But that's because there was no Apple II version. I, well, there's, that's, <laughs> all, that's obviously like huge points off the top. But you'll but make one for Kansas Fest. I, I think, not this one. I, I think you're right, though. The, the game just didn't quite feel finished. It was missing that whatever, that final coat of lacquer, polish, whatever. <laughs> yes. A shinier screen. That's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> and may have stopped this from, from being a bigger hit than it was. I think it was a pretty big hit, though. Like, I remember it being around. I remember seeing it. I think everybody knows it. We certainly had a ton of people guess this week's game. Mm, Like, I guess the sound is iconic, but it's not like you played the Popeye theme for the sound sample. But a lot of people guessed this week's game, so they must be familiar with it. I was really surprised, actually, at how many people guessed. 
Well, I wonder if they'll guess this week's game, Carrington. What will it actually sound like? Here you go. All right. Well, I think that uh, about wraps it up for another episode of the. Oh, Port. it's wrapped! It's so wrapped up! It's in the can! It's done! It's wrapped up! Stick in a the fork can. in it! It's, and then we wrap the can, so it's doubly wrapped. It's remarkably wrapped. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. Thank you.